2: the sun go down on me
1: that's right don't let the sun go down on this day without renewing your subscription to alaska public radio if you are a fan of this program pick up the phone and tell us how much you enjoy the show by making a donation to this public radio station gloria from
2: anvik emailed us and told us that public radio is what wakes her up in the morning and thanked us by joining the Circle of Trust for the first time. Thank you, Gloria.
1: What is the Circle of Trust? For only $20 a month, the cost of only five lattes, you will be helping to keep our programming going and we will thank you by giving you a canvas tote bag with a beautiful drawing of a snail carrying its own canvas tote bag on it.
2: Barry from Ketchikan says, I love listening to you guys. I'm donating $5.
1: I love that, Jim. And you know, not everyone can afford to join the Circle of Trust for $20 a month, which is the same as purchasing a top from TJ Maxx. Or the Chain of Heroism, where you donate $50 a month in perpetuity, and in exchange, we'll send you an 8-ounce coffee traveler filled with rocks that have words painted on them. Words like hope and self-esteem and verisimilitude.
2: I have those word rocks and I put them in a bowl by my front door and encourage guests to take one and hold it the whole time they're at my house.
1: That's really creepy.
2: A person who identifies himself as the truck has joined the circle of trust and says, Keep on TCBing, Alaska Public Radio.
1: Thank you, the truck. This is what I'm talking about. For only $20 a month, that's what? A movie and a medium popcorn, or a small popcorn and a large M&M's, or maybe... A nachos
2: and a water.
1: Right. For only $5 a week, equal to purchasing five things at the dollar store. Unless you get... Like a garden tool or a shovel or like something that's... uh,
2: $20? Yes. That's 23 candy bars. Or three candy bars, a sponge and a small stuffed penguin and a religious candle in a variety of scents.
1: Exactly. Or some Pringles, a People magazine, and a pregnancy test.
2: How's it going, Destiny?
1: Oh, you know, it's, it's Wednesday. Anyway... Today only if you donate $5 a week, which is only 2 bucks and then an extra 250 plus 50 cents, then you will receive a limited edition thank you gift. It's easy to carry and earth friendly. It matches your shoes and your guests will want to hold it the entire time they're at your house. It's it's to Rose Theatre in Portland, Oregon, it's Livewire, the show that's hoping you don't think there's an actual pledge drive at your station right now, though it wouldn't be a tragedy if you gave a little. Tonight, New Yorker cartoonist Kate Beaton, poet Paul Ann Peterson, and musical guest Typhoon. That's tonight on Livewire Radio. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Courtney Hommeister. And you also have comedy from Faces for Radio Theater to look forward to. Poet Scott Poole with What I Learned Tonight, wherein Scott sits in our audience and in just one hour, the amount of time it took William Faulkner to fall over backwards off his porch with a mint julep. He writes a poem that encompasses everything he's learned during the course of the show, and of course, music from our house band, Ralph Huntley and the Mutton (laughs) Chops. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Kate Beaton is going to be with us later on the show, and yes, she draws cartoons on her website, Hark a Vagrant, about things like courtly love, Victorian literature, and whether or not John Adams and Ben Franklin had a rivalry over who was cooler. And it got me thinking about what defines highbrow and lowbrow humor. One of our favorite writers over the years, Tyler Hughes, wrote a joke a couple of years ago. It was in a sketch called Amazing Internet Facts. And among other facts, like uh, George Washington, father of our country, also fathered a number of illegitimate countries. And the country of Canada is an imaginary place created by author L. Frank Baum in 1902. Tyler also wrote in that sketch the following... Experts on global warming believe that it's unfair that they do all the work and Al Gore, quote, gets all the (laughs) Now, aside from sending us into a 20-minute discussion of every possible replacement for a word referring directly or indirectly to ladies' tender bits, um, it also sent us into a debate about highbrow and lowbrow humor. Uh, One of our producers said she didn't like it when we went lowbrow, but I argued that the joke was actually highbrow because it was a smart joke, I thought. It played with listeners' expectations of the value systems of global warming experts. Are they in it to save the Earth? No, they're not. They're in it for all the hot, hot ladies in the environmental and sustainable agriculture fields. (laughs) And it also presupposed that our well-informed listeners were used to hearing the phrase experts on global warming believe, followed by something with a bit more gravitas than whining about who's getting the most action. But it didn't matter. The joke wasn't her taste, and you can't ever convince someone that her taste is wrong. I once had a completely pointless, hour-long discussion with someone who was trying to convince me that I actually enjoyed the film Green Card. It's like telling someone who hates Brussels sprouts that they're wrong. There's no wrong or right when it comes to taste, although he was wrong for liking Green Card. That was a horrible movie. Um, So what creates our taste in humor? Uh, There was a 2010 article entitled Comedy Taste, Highbrow, Lowbrow Comedy, and Cultural Capital, published at the University of Antwerp, Comedy Central, um, where two researchers named uh, Clayson's and Dost, they came up with the following conclusion. Taste and humor, quote, has to be understood not only as a pattern of preference, but as a form of cultural knowledge. You need knowledge to decode it and to make meaningful taste judgments. And the nature and amount of such knowledge varies between social groups. What he's saying is that one of the reasons people like highbrow humor is that they're the only ones who understand it. (laughs) They're like the hipsters in the used record store of comedy. Can't we all just find a middle brow so we can all enjoy everything? And it turns out there is actually a definition for middle brow. It appeared in a British magazine called Punch in 1925, and the excerpt says, The BBC claims to have discovered a new type, the middle brow. It consists of people who are hoping that someday they will get used to the stuff that they ought to like. (laughs) Because we've all done that, right? We've walked out of a movie or turned off the television show and we knew we should have liked it. If only we were smarter didn't have the attention span of a hamster on a sugar binge. Even so, I actually, I think things have changed because now I really feel like proponents of both sides are equally proud of their stance. Of course we'd expect lovers of Oscar Wilde and Fran Lebowitz to wear their smarty pants with pride, but fans of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour consider it a badge of honor that they would need David Sedaris in the Scrabble Bag if they came across him on the street. <laughs> so I guess we all just like what we like. But what's the final definition? I'm gonna say, highbrow humor is defined as any humor containing references beyond where your college loans ran out. And lowbrow, well that's any joke that uses the word (laughs) That was really easy. Tonight's musical guest is a dynamic indie rock 13 piece that mixes brass, strings, and what sounds like million part harmonies to bring their latest release, A New Kind of House, to some pretty stirring crescendos. It's music to start a revolution by. Paste magazine calls them a gang of warriors in an airstrike of melody. Please welcome Typhoon to Livewire.
2: for it to be broken At the very last some wild ghosts from my past to open oak If I bandage my eyes will you press in my hand a small simple token I was born deaf for us you've never spoken
0: Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered